We're so glad that you've tuned into our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jacob Thomas, and I'm the student director here at our Rolling Hills Nolensville campus. As we've been in our current series, Refine, we've already hit on three of the seven deadly sins. And in today's message, we're considering the sin of sloth. This sin can oftentimes be one of the most difficult to find and to even credit as sin. But if we aren't careful and aware of the ways that the enemy is working against us, this sin can creep into our hearts and lives. So today, we'll clearly define what this sin may look like in your life and the lives of others. And not only that, but we will discover ways to actively fight this sin in order to become more like Christ each and every day. Now, here's week four of our series. Good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. I want to say a big welcome to everybody here at our Franklin campus and welcome to everybody who's watching online and joining in. What a great day to worship together. And welcome back to our series. We're in this incredible series talking about refine. And we're praying that God would refine our hearts and our lives. And, and just like he does with gold, right? If you think about gold, gold is taken and it's heated up. It gets hotter and hotter and all the dross burns off the gold until you're left with pure gold just totally pure. That's what God wants to do in our lives. God is purifying us and refining us in our lives. You know, when you become a Christ follower, right, that happens in an instant. And God draws you to himself. He invites you into this incredible relationship with him and his sovereignty and his grace. And it's so exciting. But God doesn't leave us there, right? He wants us to mature in our spiritual walk. He wants to grow deeper in our walk with him and our love for one another. And so God refining us in the Old Testament, there was a guy named David, and he, he prayed this prayer. He prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And a lot of times, it's easy to kind of stay surface level and kind of, oh, how's everything going? But with God, we want to go, search me. God, refine me. Make me into the man or the woman you created me to be, God. I want to fulfill my purpose in my day and my generation for your name, God and for your glory, so search me. And so we're in this series, we're talking about the seven deadly sins, right? And you're looking at, man, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah, you know, you go to Proverbs, it says there's six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And then the early church fathers, they kind of refined that, and they said, look, here's seven sins that become the headwater sins, that all the other sin in our life, the impurity in our life kind of flows out of these sins. And so we've been talking about that. We talked the first week about lust, Right? And lust is, I must have it now. Lust is, what can you do for me? But God's refining us from this world of lust that we live in, right, to love. What, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Man, that will radically change your marriage. It'll radically change all your relationships. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor. 
as yourself. That's God's refining us in our lives. The second week we talked about gluttony, right? The sin of gluttony, this excessiveness that God's refining us to, to moderation in our lives. Last week we talked about greed and the greed that can so easily come in, but God's refining us and making us more generous, not living closed-fisted, but living open and saying, God, let me be a blessing to others. And then today we're talking about this sin of sloth. All right, now when I say the word sloth, most of you think about the animal, right? I mean, it's like immediately your mind goes to the animal, the sloth. Well, I have to tell you, we were just in the Amazon. I was doing a pastor's conference, right, in the Amazon a couple weeks ago. And one night we go out on the boat and we have a jungle guide named Milton. And Milton is with us and he was catching caiman, which is pretty crazy. But then he reaches up in a tree and he pulls out a sloth. Like literally brought it on the boat. Like, here's the sloth. Right there, <laughs> isn't that crazy? He's like, check out the sloth, right? This is a sloth. This is a female sloth, right? Just hanging out. That's what they do. Right? <laughs> hanging around. I mean, look how long their arms are. Like, this is what a sloth does. So Milton, our jungle guy, brings them on the boat. Here you go. Here's a sloth. Now these sloths, they sleep 20 hours a day. Right? That's what they do. They just kind of sleep. They're sloths, right? You know? I mean, you know, they travel at point zero point one miles an hour. I mean, like they just like forever to go anywhere. You know, algae's like growing on their backs because they're so slow. I mean, it's just like a sloth, you know? I'm kind of thinking Noah's Ark. Noah's like, really, God? You know, the sloths, <laughs> cheetahs go get them. I mean, you know, it's like, what do you do? I mean, like, well, because they're not gonna ever make it here, okay? The rain's coming down, let's go. I mean, you know, just a sloth. That's what they are. And I just think about that. And we think about that sin of slothfulness. We're like, oh, that's not me, right? I mean, we kind of go, I don't have to deal with that one, right? Because that's not me. I am not lazy. Let's skip this one. Let's get to wrath next week because that's how we deal with that anger, right? But, but slothfulness, we kind of all think, you know, that's not me. I don't have to deal with that one. I, I, I'm busy. I got a lot going on in my life, man. I go to work and I crush it. You know, I go work out. I got all kinds of things that are happening in my life. But the early church fathers said this was one of the biggest struggles for most Christians. The early church fathers said that, you know what? You start looking at it and it really is that we grow lazy in our spiritual lives. See, there's a big difference between activity and accomplishment. And we can be very active. We can be doing a lot of things. We can be so busy, we can run 100 miles an hour. But at the end of the day, are we really accomplishing the things of God? Are we really accomplishing the things that God wants us to? In our lives, have we moved from success to significance? Because the biggest danger for all of us, I think, in this, the biggest struggle I think that we all face is that succeeding at things that really don't matter and missing the things that really do. And that's what God wants to challenge us today and refine in us today as we talk about this slothfulness even in our own lives. All right, so if you have a Bible, I invite you up with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. So we've been in this incredible study right here, Proverbs. If you open in the middle of your Bible, you probably hit it. If you go to the right, if you end up in Psalms, go to the right, you'll hit Proverbs. But if you have a mobile device, you can access the scripture there. But Proverbs was written by Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. I mean, the wisest man that ever lived. Also the wealthiest man that ever lived, right? He'd have more money in today's dollars than Buffett or any of those guys, right? This guy was wise. And there's over 40 different verses in here talking about slothfulness or being a sluggard or being lazy. And so he comes here and he makes these two 
observations, and we're gonna look at two passages, and then we're gonna look at a third where he gives this kind of conclusion about slothfulness. So in chapter six, he starts off in verse one, he says, my son. So a lot of these are kind of directed like he's a dad, right? He's talking to his kids. And, but he come down here to verse six. He says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise, exclamation point. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You're thinking, yeah, how do they figure that out, right? Like, how do ants know? I mean, God takes care of all creation, pretty amazing. He says, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. So we don't know if Saul was talking to his own son, like he walked in his room, and his room was really messy, and he's like, come on, man, you know, like, we have all had those kind of times as parents, right? Because we wanna help our kids. We wanna help them not to be entitled. We wanna help them to work hard. We want them to have that kind of value in their lives. And we probably remember growing up and our parents getting onto us and saying, come on, you know, there's this motivation. But Solomon's making this observation, maybe even in his own house. And then you come to Proverbs chapter 24. So turn over Proverbs chapter 24. And he's riding along in his chariot probably, and he's going around. And then he says in verse 30, I went past the field of a sluggard. Right? I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So he takes these two observations, maybe one from home and then maybe one he's just riding along and he sees he's like, dude, this guy's got a nice place. He's got this property, he's got this vineyard. And he's not taking care of it. Why isn't he doing that? And he comes to this kind of addition of, man, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and here comes poverty. You know, you start to get lazy. And then look over in chapter 26. In chapter 26, he kind of comes to this conclusion. In verse 14, in chapter 26, he says, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. He's like, man, as the door opens and closes, man, that's the sluggard in bed going, I need to get up, but no, I'm gonna turn back over, right? I uh, know, I need to get up and do this, but no. And he's just like, that's the way the sluggard is. He says, a, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but he's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. I mean, like at dinner, like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be good, but I can't get it there. It's like the goodness of God's right there. There's all these things right there. Come on. And then, I love this in verse 16. It's just such a challenge. He says, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. He said, the problem is, right? The problem is that a sluggard thinks it's all about them. And everything exists for them. It's all about them, like my comfort, my mess, and you know, just me, it's just me, it's just me. And it's like he's going, no, 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 you are missing it because your slothfulness impacts others. And God has a plan and a purpose for you. Step into it. Thrive in the middle of it. See, God wants us all to reach our full potential. God has incredible plans for every one of us, and I pray that we wouldn't miss it. I pray that we would embrace it for the glory of God. 
All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. I'd love for you to write down. If you've got a worship guide here, if you're online, you go to the Rolling Hills app, and there's a place to fill in some blanks. But man, I think this is important for all of us as we talk about it today. All right, look at this, number one. God created work. All right, think about that for a moment, okay? God created work. It's important. So here's what it says, right? Go to the ant, you sluggard. Even the ants work. Even the ants collect things, right? And store them up. Consider its ways and be wise. Hey, work was given before the fall. See, a lot of times we think, oh, work, I don't wanna work, I don't wanna do it. But work was given actually before the fall happened. Remember when creation, God created the heavens and the earth, and, and I mean, he was like, this is good, right? I mean, it was beautiful. There was the Garden of Eden and everything was just perfect. He creates the animals. They're all in the animals, right? They're all there. And then he creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden. He says, you guys have a job to do. I want you to take care of this garden. I want you to take care of these animals. I want you to be responsible here. And, and, and I've given you all of this. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 comes to fall. Genesis 3 comes to sin, Right, when they say, God, I don't want to do it your way. I want to do it our way, right? And, and sin enters in the world. Now you got holy God, sinful man, and there's a separation in our need for grace, and Jesus comes to make it all right. But in Genesis 1 and 2, there was work to be done. You see, you were created with unique gifts and abilities. In fact, you can do things that other people can't. Never thought about that, right? And not only do you look different than anybody else in the world, but you have unique skill sets. We have a lot of amazing people in our church. I mean, we do. And some of you, you're just like the best teacher in the world. I mean, you're just so good at that. I mean, you walk in, and those students are just captivated. Some of you are great at coding. Like, I don't even get it, right? But man, you're planning the metaverse. You've already got it laid out. You're, like, you're just like there. You know? Some of you are just great at business. You can make money. You're just, it's just a natural to you. Some of you are great at film or at art. It flows out of you. Other people don't have those gifts. Other people don't have those skills. You know, but God made you unique and God wants you to use that gift. God gave it to you for a reason and for a purpose that you would flourish in those areas. And you know that, man, when you get excited, when you get passionate about something, you're just like, you're in it. You know, you're like, oh yeah, this is great. We get to create this. We get to build this. You know, it's just like, you can build things. It's awesome. Now here's the danger, right? The danger we have to guard against is becoming a workaholic. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of us. I mean, that's a struggle for me, right? Yeah, because you just get into it. It's like, oh, I love this. I love this. The problem here, right, it's not bad to work hard. We ought to work hard, all right? There's not a deadly sin of working hard. It's not, <laughs> there's a deadly sin for slothfulness. But, but not on the other hand. But when we find our identity in our work and not our identity in Christ, there's a danger, Right? There's a danger. See, all of a sudden, that work defines me. Like, I'm defined by this, and I only find my value in that. Instead of going, okay, God, I'm yours. I've been redeemed. I've been restored. You've given me these gifts and these talents, these abilities. Let me use them for your glory. When you meet somebody, you know, it's like, hey, here, here's who I am. But it, do we define ourselves by our job, or do we go, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Yeah, I also do this. I do that. I do a lot of things. But, but you know what? My identity is in Christ in Christ alone. And so we have to guard against that in our society, in our work ethic. Hey, notice, God established Sabbath, Shabbat, in the rhythm of work. See, you guys, I am so glad you're here. Great job, right? Or you're watching online. But because that's important. God said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
He put it as the top 10 commandments, right? I mean, it's right there by murder. Don't murder anybody, right? Don't steal and go to church. You know, it's like, wow, okay. I think that's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. Why? Because we bombarded six days a week by the world. And God knew in our rhythm that we would need time to worship, recalibrate, think about what's important, right? And we would need time to rest. That's interesting. He gave us six days to work, right? And then this day to worship. Teacher Bonhoeffer, he talked about this, right? Every morning I get up, I spend an hour with God, an hour in worship, and then I work the rest of the day. But there's a rhythm, right? There's a rhythm in the week. I'm gonna spend a day worship and rest, but then I'm gonna work. I'm gonna do those things. But God was establishing that for you. The Sabbath is a day for you. It's for us to worship God, but also to set our minds on the things that are important. Hey, there will be work to do in heaven, some of us are kind of like, what? Wait a minute. You know, like, oh, I just thought I was going to lay on a cloud all day and play a harp, right? You know, like, and then you think about that, you're like, that would get really boring. I mean, like, come on. I mean, but no, there's going to be worship to do. There's going to be jobs to do. There's going to be things. That, but, but, but imagine having all the time to do the things that you were wired to do that you don't get to do here, that you go, man, I would have all the time to be creative. I'd have all the time to build. That, I mean, that would be awesome, and there's no sin, right? There's no things that are going to distract that. There's just this purity there. It's going to be amazing. See, Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 25, and, and you may remember this, but Jesus, he talked about the parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings, right? And he said this, this one owner goes on a trip, and, and so he calls his three servants together, and he says to one servant, hey, here's five talents, or sometimes it says bags of gold, right? You know, your talents, your abilities, it's money, resources, and he says, I want you to be faithful with these until I come back. And to another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. Well, he goes on this trip and he comes back. And the guy with five is like, hey, look at this, owner, master, right? I, I took your five and I invested it. I got five more. There's 10. And I just give it back to you. He's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Great job, right? You've been faithful with little. I'll give you more right? The thing about the second coming is this is what we're talking about here, right? The one with two, he says, look, I put it to work and I get two more. I got four. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little, I'll give you more. The guy with one was like, you know what? I didn't know what to do. I was scared. I was afraid. So I just buried it. Here's your one back. I did nothing. And Jesus says these words, right? He says, you wicked, lazy servant. Like, whoa. He said, take the one from him and give it to the guy with 10 because he's doing something about it. And I think for us, we just have to go, wait a minute, God created me, God wired me, God gave me this so that I can use it. That's important. So here's the challenge, right? Don't become lazy. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. It's not about a sluggard. And it's so easy in our culture for that to happen. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief. Hey, what greed is to money slothfulness is the time. See, money's not bad, right? Money can be used to do a lot of good. And that's God's call for us to be generous, not to live for money and to find our identity in money. But the same thing is slothfulness. It's time. How do we use the time we've been given? And it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Why? Because everything in our society is meant to make us comfortable, right? We got our air conditioning, we go to our bed and we get our comforter, right? And we, we lay there and then we watch Netflix and we binge watch it. We just, here's another show, another show, right? And we got video games. We got all this kind of stuff and they're not bad in and of themselves, 
But if we start to live for that, we've missed it. And it's so easy, right? Like, oh, I kind of went to work, I made it through, I survived the day, now I can come home and I can just lay on the couch and then I can just do this and I can go to bed and I'll wake up and do the same thing. And God's going, hold on, hold on, you were meant for more. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we desire comfort over God? And here's how to play out sometimes, you know, God's stirring your heart and saying, hey, you know, make it a church, right? And you're like, I don't know, I can't get out of bed, right? You did it, good job. You know, or hey, go have a spiritual conversation. You're like, I don't know how that's gonna happen. I Go pray with a coworker. You're like, I don't know, God, it's more comfortable if we just gotta keep our distance, right? Or God's going, hey, why don't you go on a mission trip? Uh, well, where are we gonna sleep? What are we gonna eat? And God's like, I'll take care of you, just go. Well, no, 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 hold on, God, I, I gotta know, right? Because I mean, I gotta be comfortable. Right? Those become our first questions many times, and God's going, just trust me. Trust me. See, here's the thing, right? There are sins of commission. We get that, right? I don't want to murder. I don't want to steal. I want to cheat. We, we know that those sins of, that we commit, commission. But there's also sins of omission. And I bet if we look back over our lives, there's times that God's prompted our heart, and we've gone, no. Ah, God, I don't want to do that. I don't know how they're going to respond. I don't know what's going to happen. And God, here's what it says in Proverbs chapter three. In verse 27, it says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. <laughs> Ever done that? I've done that. There's been times like, oh no, I mean, there's somebody who needs help or there's someone homeless person, and I, I could help. I could do something, right? I could stop by McDonald's. I could pick up some food. I'm like, ah, I'm in a hurry. I gotta go, I gotta go, go. And we can't do everything. We can't, but there's times that God prompts our hearts and says, hey, just step into this because you're my servant. You're my ambassador. I wanna use you. And so we start to go, okay, God, don't let me get lazy. Don't let me get spiritually comfortable. Let me always be moving closer to you, growing deeper in you, and stronger in your love for me and my love for others. Okay, look at this one. We have a responsibility to God and to others. We do. We, we have a responsibility there. I, I love this verse in Philippians chapter two. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. God's working in you. God's at work in you. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God's got an incredible plan for your life. And a lot of you are living that plan. You're living it. And you're just like, man, this is awesome. I mean, it's exciting when God is moving and working. But it's God. So he says, continue to work out. Notice the Bible doesn't say work for your salvation, but work out your salvation. And this is an important distinction. It's not our works that save us. It's not like, hey, I can be good enough. And if I'm good enough, maybe God will accept me. And God will look and go, wow, you know, you're not perfect. But hey, your good outweighs your bad. No, 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 no. It is by the grace of God that we are saved. It is a gift from him, lest no man should boast, right? It's not about what we do, it's about what he's done. But when you become a Christ follower, then God works out that salvation in you. Then you're growing in Christ. You're maturing in Christ. Look at this. Outside of God's grace and sovereignty and salvation, the best things in life take work. They do. I mean, it's just a fact, right? 
You're not gonna be a great hockey player unless you put some work into it, all right? You know? I mean, and the Predators, they spend a ton of time working out and getting ready. They're good. They're great. I mean, it's like because they put the time and the energy. We, we see that in your job, at the things you do. You put in the time. You put in the energy. We talk about this 10,000 hours, right? And you become a master at something. But the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. The same thing is true in your marriage. You don't just get to the altar and say, I do, and then, hey, peace out. You know, I'll see you later, and I'll go, you know, do my job, and you go raise the kids, and we'll meet back maybe. No, you, you got to schedule date nights. You, you've got to spend time together. You, you got to pray. I mean, that's how you grow closer to each other. You know what? To be a great parent, you got to be engaged. And it's so tempting many times. We come home from work, and we're just dog tired. And we're like, oh, I just want to get to the couch and just watch the ESPN and just put it on. You know what? We got to get off the couch and get on the floor. Because our kids need us. They need to see that. Our, our friends. Right, if you're going to have deep friendships, you got to take some initiative. Hey, let's meet up. And sometimes it's, it's hard. And maybe I want to listen. I want to hear. But those things are still true even with God. It's not that I accept Christ and I go, okay, God, I'll see you in heaven, right? I'll go live however I want to live. And God's like, no, I want you to grow in me. I want you to mature in me because I got great plans for you. So <laughs> there are spiritual disciplines. Look at that word discipline. You're like, oh, no, but, but, but those are good things. They're good things. First, there's inward disciplines, right? And inward disciplines is like prayer, reading God's word. You know, we, we, we want to pray. We want to grow deeper in that relationship with God. We want to read God's word. We have this daily step. It's on the Rolling Hills app. And, and right now we're reading through Proverbs. And so Proverbs 23 today. You'll read Proverbs 24 tomorrow. Just get up five minutes early uh, tomorrow, 10 minutes early, 15 minutes early, and, and start to read through Proverbs. When we finish Proverbs, and man, we've got 40 days to Easter. And we'll be all as a church on the same page, reading and praying and preparing. But God's growing you in this inward discipline. Right, then you got outward disciplines, right? How do I live that out? That's why you need community group, right? I mean, I love baptisms more, it's so awesome. You know, it just is community group surrounding. Ken right there is powerful. You need a men's group. You need a women's group. You need some other believers around you. You know, this sloth, they live by themselves, okay? 20 hours a day they sleep, they come down once a week to go to the bathroom, right? And that's when they're vulnerable, right? That's when the anaconda comes or the caiman, right? It, it, but you know, here's the thing. They don't, they don't travel in a pack. They don't have people around. We all need people around us. We need people walking with us. Also, those outward disciplines, you know, we talk about sharing our faith. We're always like, oh, I don't know about that, right? But here's the great part. That's what church is. You have the opportunity to invite somebody, hey, Come check it out or come to Easter with me or, or bring your kids to day camp or bring your kids to student camp. There's a family in our church and, and they have neighbors. They don't come to church, but their daughter wants to come. So they bring her, her every Sunday. She loves it. She loves her. I, I'm like, I can't wait. You know, she accepts Christ. She's baptized. Their whole family's gonna be here. I mean, this is just family. It's like, hey, we can go across the street. We can bring them. You know, we have verses coming up. Men in the room, what an incredible opportunity for us. Buy tickets, bring guys with you. It's gonna be incredible. But we have these opportunities to do this together. Then there's corporate disciplines, right? You talk about worship. There's power when we worship together. There's power when we pray together. Prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And when the body of Christ is praying, guys, we've seen God do miracles. 
We've seen people heal. We've seen marriages saved. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen lives restored when the church starts to pray together. It's powerful in us serving together. Us serving together. See, here's the thing, right? The, the church is not a cruise ship. It's not, it's not a Disney cruise. We show up, and go, I know, the kids love it, the kids club, it's great. You know, they go there and, and we get to come and hang out with our friends. Now, the, the church is a battleship. We have a mission in the world. We have a calling in the world. And so everybody here, we have a job to do. We have a calling. And when you serve in your area of giftedness, when you give back, it changes everybody. It impacts the kingdom of God. And we need you. You, you know, it's, it's awesome. You can kind of look around, 930 is uh, a packed, you know, and I just want to encourage you, if you're not serving, I know some of you serve at eight or serve at 11, but man, jump in, jump in, serve at 930 and then come to worship at eight or 11. You, you can do it and you can make a difference. Last Sunday, we had over 150 preschoolers and just 930, just 930. They're pulling people out of the gallery. They might've pulled you, right? Can you push this baby buggy? You know, it's like, and you're like, well, I'm not great with kids. Just push a baby buggy. It's not that hard, right? You know, like, I mean, you can do that, right? At 930, you can get your steps in. You got 10,000 steps. You can walk up and down. The kids will love you. I mean, you can do that, right? Some of you are great teachers. You can teach. We had last week well, 51 first graders in one class. 51. And it's awesome. My daughter's in there. She's like, Dad, it was awesome. A lot of energy. They're all over the place. Yeah. And she goes, but they're great. You know, and they had a great time. And it's like, but we need more people. You know, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, we had 90 cars in overflow. Our parking team's out there. They're directing people. They're amazing. I mean, we have an awesome parking team. But thank you for parking overflow. We just got approval. We're building some more parking spaces. So don't worry, it's coming. But, but we need more parking people. You can help out. You can make a difference. You're like, well, I haven't been to seminary. That's okay. You can park a car. You can do great, you know? <laughs> I mean, we need more community group leaders, men's studies, women's studies. You can do it on your worship guide. There's a QR code. And I just want to challenge you. I mean, you just scan it and say, put me in, coach. You're like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Maybe you used to serve and then you kind of backed away, right? It don't, or maybe you've never done it. It is fun. You meet incredible people. We have the opportunity to serve together. But man, it's awesome when we begin to realize that. See, slothfulness doesn't help anybody. It doesn't. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help the church. It doesn't help anybody around us. When we engage, woo, that's when we make a difference. That's when we make a difference. So look at this, right? Fulfill your God-given purpose. Fulfill it. Live it. Man, it is, that's when it's fun, the spiritual life. Look at this in Ephesians. For we are God's handiwork. That word means masterpiece. Don't you love that? You are God's masterpiece. Hey, created in Christ Jesus, why? To do good works. You were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's things that you can do that I can't do. God created you to do it. God created you for this, to do good works. Look, there is no one in the world just like you. 7.2 billion people and there's nobody just like you. How do people not believe in God? I mean, seriously, <laughs> unbelievable. God made you. You are unique. You are gifted. You are called. You are called to be in the family you're in. You're called to have the friends you have. You're called to live where you are right now. You're called to be in the school you're at. God has a plan or a purpose right there for you. And he's wired you to use those gifts for the glory of God. Hey, look at this. Work as you're working for the Lord. Work as you're working for the Lord. 
It changes everything, man. When you start to go to your job and you go, you know what, it's the same job, but man, God can use me here. And maybe there's somebody struggling that I can pray for, or maybe God can use the, the craft that I'm doing right here. Maybe I can use it to bless somebody around me. I can use the resources, okay. God, God, use me in my family. God, use me there in my neighborhood. In the 1600s, there was a, a kid, he was 22 years old, Antonio Stradivari. And Antonio Stradivari, he just, he just had a heart for, for making instruments. And he started making, at 22 years old, he started making violins in the 1600s. And somebody asked him why he made violins, and he said, I wanna make a violin that will bring music to the ears of God. I wanna do it better than anybody. I want God to be glorified in this. And he started making these violins. Not long ago, a Stradivarius violin just sold for $16 million, one violin. There's about 650 still left in the world today. Most of them are in private collections. And you know what they say? That technology today and science today cannot replicate that sound. It is so unique and so special. And he said, I wanna do it to bring music to the ears of God. There's things that you can do that nobody else can do. There's people you can minister to that other people can't. God has uniquely called you, uniquely gifted you. And whether it's video, whether it's art, you know, whatever it is, whether it's business, you can make a difference in the people who work with you or for you. And that's why I love in Colossians where it says, hey, whatever you do, whatever, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as you're working for the Lord and not for man. Work at it with everything you got. Make a difference. Hey, look at this. Grow in your spiritual ambition, holy ambition, serving the Lord. You know, your best days aren't behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. Our best days as a church are behind. Our best days are ahead. Do you remember when you first accepted Christ? Do you remember how excited you were? You were like, this is awesome. Jesus died on a cross for my sins. Are you kidding me? I'm the one who messed up. He took my place. And you, you couldn't wait to read the Bible. You couldn't wait to tell people about him. You know, you couldn't wait to serve. You just like were so excited and that's what God's saying to us, I believe. In Romans, it says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor. I mean, just get excited about him because God loves you. You know, you know, the fact is this, there's nothing you could do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you could do to make God love you any less. God loves you. And he just wants you to reach your full potential. He wants you to be all that he created you to be. God is at work in your life. God is restoring. God is redeeming. And God's got a plan for you that's greater than your plan for you. Would you trust him? Would you say, God, I'm yours. When I wake up in the morning, God, use me. Let me be a blessing to my family. Let me be a blessing to my friends. Let me be a blessing to the community around me. God, just use me. Let me live my life for you. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I, I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your marriage. I don't know where you are with your kids. I don't know where you are with at work or, or where you are in your own heart. But God does. And God loves you he cares so deeply about you that he sent his son to die on a cross for you. 
So right now, would you be honest with him? Maybe there's an area of your heart that you just need to say, God, refine me. God, refine me. And God, use me for your glory. And bless the people around me, God. And let me serve you. So Father God, here we are, your disciples, your church. And God, we come with grateful hearts today for the gift of salvation that Jesus, you died on that cross for all of our sin. That you love us, that there's nothing that we can do that's ever gonna separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But today I pray that God, you would refine us in this area. And if there's places, God, that, that we can grow deeper and stronger, God, let us know inward, outward, Father, corporate. Let us make a difference in our day and our generation for you. So we love you, Father, and we dedicate our lives to you. We want the best of our lives to be ahead and all for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're thankful for you.